today's Leading Women episode 555 with the wonderful Shelley Arnold. Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Podcast your passion. Yes, did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference, and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing, talking to wonderful women every day. Here are today's leading women. Want to learn how I did it? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Shelly Aronov. Shelly Aronov, born and raised in Israel, moved to the United States in 2009 to pursue an MBA at Stanford. She's always dreamed of bringing the fresh, healthy Middle Eastern food she grew up on to the U.S. So after graduating, she founded Yamba Hummus, an authentic Israeli hummus line that brings the true flavors and culture of hummus to the U.S. Yamba Hummus is currently selling in over 100 retailers in Northern California and expanding into other West Coast regions. To learn more, visit yambahummus.com. That's www.yambahummus.com. Women of the World, Ms. Shelly Arnov. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Marie. Lovely to be here. I am delighted to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Shelly, I really love what you're doing with your business, especially with Yamba Hummus. I love that uh, you have this one out there. I love the initiative you've carved out. You are success in your own right. You put in the effort, the SWAT equity, the knowledge and experience to build a special business you call your own. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you and I want to provide that kind of it, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. So here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment at any time about them, but these are just general questions I have in mind. So let's start with your business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind that niche? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I started Yamba Hummus, honestly, I was thinking I want to bring some better hummus to the U.S. I knew that growing up in Israel, I had a lot of hummus and it was very tasty. And when I moved to the U.S., I basically stopped eating hummus because I didn't like what was out there. But during the process, what I learned is that designing a food product is actually more about the decisions you make on the way. So if you want to get into market, you probably should go and get a food scientist. I would say that's step one. Um, and that person is going to help you design a product that can go on the shelf and last longer and just you know work with everything that needs to work in order to have a product selling through, through stores. And through that process, I kind of learned that um, making a better product is not just about recipe it's actually the decisions you make on the way do you want to have better ingredients do you want to use more ingredients um how much shelf life do you want and i think if you're okay compromising on some of those and really not looking at cost all the time and looking 
at what you want to do for the consumer, you can create a better product, which is what I did eventually. Hmm, I love your story. I love that you shared that one with us. I love also the fact that you've carved out this uh, niche of providing or making this available, this authentic uh, hummus available to the U.S. market, to not only locally, but nationally as well. But what continues to inspire you doing this business? Um, definitely what you mentioned in the beginning, uh, when I came to the U.S., even before I went to business school, honestly, when I just traveled here and I had the local food, which is very tasty, uh, it, it very quickly came to me that, you know, there's not that many healthy options here. And I really wanted, that was the thing that got me going even before hummus was how do I get people to get excited about healthy food and growing up in Israel, having Middle Eastern food, um, I had access to a lot of healthy food that was very tasty and did not feel like a compromise. So I figured, you know, it's not about how do you make potato chips with 25% less fat. That's still not going to be healthy for you. It doesn't matter how much less fat is in it. It's still salt, carbon, and fat. Uh, but if you can get, get people culturally to get excited about a healthy cuisine, then they just make better options for themselves going forward every day. And you still might have your potato chips every once in a while, but you then maybe will have, you know, salads and vegetables, less processed foods and hummus and whatever it is uh, on a daily basis and enjoy this healthier diet. And that's really, I mean, that what that was the idea before anything else with Yamba. And that's actually the idea going forward with, with some of the products that I want to launch in the future. Wow, yes. I mean, I love uh, what an inspiration you have there. I mean, helping people get excited about healthy food by giving them an option uh, with healthy um, hummus that you're providing out there. Wow, what an inspiration on it. Thanks for sharing that with us. But let's talk about how you prepared for success that turned this idea or that turned this inspiration into a reality. Can you share our listeners what are some of your personality traits or your top three personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from? Um, so I did come up with two that I think are kind of all you need to be a successful entrepreneur, and that's uh, passion and determination. And it's funny because people tend to tell me they see that in me. And I think that's a huge compliment. I actually really like hearing that. Um and the reason I think those are very important is determination is kind of everything you need to be a business owner in my mind. It, if you don't give up, if you wake up the next day and keep doing what you're doing, there's going to be business. And eventually there is maybe going to be a successful business. Um, but it's going to be a long road, a lonely road, an exhausting road. And some of the time things go wrong. Some of the times nothing happens, which is almost even worse than having challenges. Um, and you just need to really believe. Believe in yourself and be determined enough to believe in your idea, believe in your business. Just keep going. Um, and that's definitely number one. The second one is passion. And I think passion is a word that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, but I'm a big believer. I think if you're passionate about what you do, that is intoxicated. People want to be around you and they want to try your product. They want to partner with you. And I think passion is one of those things that is really hard to fake. If you have it, it's authentic and it draws people. Um, so I think, you know, for entrepreneurs, if you're getting started, find something you're really passionate about because it's going to help you be determined. It's going to help you not give up, but it's also going to help you get people to want to try your product or maybe work with you when you're early on and all you have is maybe your passion and idea and not even a product. 
Mm, yes. Well, I mean, I, I agree with them. Determination, passion, and belief in your product, in what you're putting out there. Great qualities or personal traits here that uh, Shelly just shared with us. And the good thing is that we can all cultivate and adapt this into our lives. All right, let's talk about what happened when you started your journey as an entrepreneur. You know, as entrepreneurs, we face daily challenges that define our being. And to get to those challenges takes a very special person. And our audience wants to know that special person in you. So what have been your biggest challenges building your business? And how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today? So I really like this question because I think most of the people that talk about challenges, they talk about hiring, firing, and so on. Um, and my business, and hopefully a lot of women can relate to this because they might have a similar business. I, I don't have any direct employees, but I work with a lot of partners and everything is outsourced. Um, so the way the business works, and a lot of time, I think, in the food industry, the margins are very low. And you can only just afford to have a lot of people working with you when you get bigger and you have scale. Um, and in the beginning, you outsource everything. There's someone manufacturing, someone distributing, the stores are selling, designing, uh, uh, the science part, everything is outsourced. So I think the biggest challenge behind that is just doing it alone, doing it alone, being able to manage everyone um, and doing a good job at it, but not having any help, not having the support that a team can give you. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot of people have asked me, why did I do it that way? And I want to just recommend this to other people. If you feel like you're strong enough to do it, it will give you a lot of flexibility to not take on additional uh, expenses before you feel ready for it. And the only problem is that you're going to have to deal with things alone, but you find ways to deal with that, that and you can be successful that way too. So a, name, a team is not always necessary, I guess. Uh, the other thing when I thought about challenges, it always comes up to me one challenge, which is, in my case, getting distribution. Um, in the food industry, distribution is everything. And especially when you have a refrigerated product, it's just there's no other way to grow. But the problem is there's a chicken and an egg situation where I had tw 10 stores I was selling at myself. And I wanted a distributor. And all the distributors were saying, when you have 80 stores, I'll take up your product. But how do you get to 80 stores? And it took me about nine months to find my distributor that I absolutely love. And I think we have a great partnership. And he decided to pick up my product just because of faith and because I believe it will work out for him. And I think we did a great job. He's the one that got me to the 100 stores. He got me to Whole Foods. And I know this is a very specific um, example to the food industry, but I think everyone has that one deal that one thing that's going to take them to the next level that's really hard to get. And I think that's the most challenging deal I've ever had. Uh, nothing ever feels the same way after. Um, so I guess when, when you're standing before that, just don't give up. And it might take a little bit longer. It's probably the hardest thing you're going to do, though. And once you have that, you can keep going and it's a smoother ride. Mm, wow. I mean, I love those lessons that you've learned and that you've shared with us. Scaling the business, managing the business yourself, uh, deciding whether a team is the right fit for your business, getting distribution, especially in your industry. And for our listeners out there who are in the same industry as uh, Shelly is, let's learn from the challenges and the lessons that she has learned so that when they do happen to us, we now know what to do. So thanks for sharing those. 
Now, let's just switch gears for a little bit and talk about work-life balance. You know, being a business owner myself, maintaining a work-life balance is so crucial to overall success in life. Now, the challenge with entrepreneurs is how to click on and click off and create a work-life balance, particularly if you have a family juggling many roles. So in your life as an entrepreneur, how do you maintain this work-life balance and what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health, your family, your relationships, and your business? I I mean, especially working alone, I do tend to, I, I had more challenges, I think, with this part, because when you're alone, you want to talk about what's going on, especially when things are going bad or even when things are going great. You just want to have someone to talk to. Um, and I, I think I mean, I say this nicely, but I think I kind of abused my uh, husband for the first year and a half because I talked about work constantly all the time. And um, and he was there for me, but I can understand why at some point it just got tiring for him because he comes home from work and he doesn't necessarily want to talk about work some more over dinner and then some more over the weekend. Uh, so eventually I, I did learn my lesson and I think... I, I think everyone needs to learn this on their own. There's no way around it. You just get to the point where you understand you have to separate and you can talk about stuff that's going really great and if something really exciting is happening. And if you're very stressed, then talk about that. But I try not to bring up everything and stuff that just happens, I try to just keep to myself uh, so that I don't bring too much home, uh, too much work to home. Uh, and I guess the same thing with my friends, actually. I think it's very easy to just talk about your work when it's kind of your life right now. I don't, don't have kids yet. I think my work is my life right now. But I try to be mindful that, you know, when we spend time together, it's not necessarily what they want to talk about all the time. And I can bring it up and maybe not take over the conversation, you know, and we can brunch about Yamba Bahamas. So over time, I think you find that balance of sharing, but not oversharing. Hmm, yes, I mean, this uh, tips that you shared with us in terms of this work-life balance, huge, separating work and family, not bringing work from home, for uh, home, this is huge, especially, uh, I know it's hard, uh, especially for us who are working from home, it's so hard to separate that, to have that uh, separation between work and family, and so what I do that helps me is that I have a separate room in our house that I know when I step in there, it's no longer work mode. I have to consciously and deliberately do that. Otherwise, oh my God, I can be talking, I can be thinking, I can be doing my, working on my business nonstop. But that's, you know, that we also have other areas in our lives that are important to us. It's really important to have that time uh, with your family, with your friends, with your, for your own time, for your personal time yourself. So great tips here. I, mm -hmm. I totally agree, by the way. I think it's, when you work from home, it's even more challenging because you always feel like, I'm not working right now, right? I'm at home maybe in the evening, but you do, you work all the time unless you decide to stop working. So I think that's a great idea of having a separate space where it's work and then separate space where it's not work anymore. Mm, yes, absolutely. All right, uh, let's talk about success and what success means to you. Your business appears to be financially doing quite well and with that success, flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. Now, would like to also say that success is some mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I, you know, I feel good about it. And 
you know, but, but that, would that make me successful or do I feel successful? You know, financially, probably yes, but individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? Well, this is where I, I will share my flaw, my personal flaw, because I, I, this is my favorite question, by the way, when I saw it, made me think a lot. Um, I actually measure success. Just by, by money. I think about annual revenues. I remember getting started. I thought to myself, when I reach a million dollars in annual revenue, that's success. And that's it. That's when I'll wake up and feel like I've achieved myself. I've done something. And uh, the sad thing about numbers is that they're meaningless. Because now that I see that million dollars revenue getting closer, then I just up the number. So maybe at five million, you know, it's, it keeps moving. And I think it was a lesson that that is not a great way to decide if you're successful. That is just one parameter, and it's a very stiff one. I think if you want to feel successful, you have to decide that you're going to see yourself in a way that you feel successful. And I think my biggest lesson was when, when my friends would talk to me, or even people I didn't know, a lot of times they would mention that, you know, you've achieved so much. You have a product that you've developed. You got into market. You're selling at Whole Foods. People like your product. And they were proud of me, and I wasn't. And I'm trying to start to see now. I think now I'm starting to see that and starting to feel more successful for those achievements and not necessarily a number. Because a number is just one more thing. Um, and I think, you know, especially when you get started, if you can develop a product, feel successful for that. That's a great achievement that many people will not do. If you can get a few stores excited about selling your product, if you can get some people that love it and, and recommend it to some friends, that is a success. And I think that's, you know, the way you should measure success. Yes, absolutely. I love your perspective on success. You know, it's measured by how many people or how much uh, you made an impact or a difference in other people's lives, how much lives you've touched because of the products that you're putting out there. You know, at the end of the day, I think that's what truly is fulfilling. That's what truly is satisfying, knowing that what you're putting out there is making someone else's lives better, happier or easier. Absolutely. Now, I know you've given us a lot of tips already, but I'd love for us to talk about one of the highlights of our show. And that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be, especially to those who want to follow your footsteps. You obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience. So take it back to the past. Say you're going to start all over again as an entrepreneur and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success or even for making that first buck. What types of special suggestions or advice and lessons that you learned would you give your fellow entrepreneurs knowing where you came from and where you headed at? And if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice, what would those three be? Okay, that's also a great question, and I did think about this a lot. Uh, so first of all, my first advice, just get started. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get scared, and I've heard this so many times, I don't have a great idea. And sometimes by people I really admire, I feel like could be amazing entrepreneurs, and they stop themselves saying, I don't have a great idea. I don't value great ideas. I value great execution. If you want to be an entrepreneur, get started started. Your product is going to change 10 times anyway. If you haven't changed it 10 times, you're doing something wrong because you need to learn from your customers. You're going to learn from your feed. You're going to figure out what's right. An idea is just a launch pad. It's, it's nothing more than that. Uh, 
determination and working on it and good execution is going to get you to the next level. And I think it's just so scary to get started. So just start, just start and the next day you're in it. And then it's all about just getting stuff done. Uh, so that's definitely my first advice because I see a lot of people and also myself, I got stumbled on just starting. And by the time I was in it, it wasn't an issue anymore. Uh, the second thing is don't give up, which again goes back to what I was talking about before. But, you know, you just, it, I don't think entrepreneurs are the smartest, the most capable, the best. It's not about that. It's just about waking up the next day and, and doing some more and making sure that the, the business doesn't die. So I, I, I do believe that if people just try enough, there's a chance for success. And um, so, yeah, so through the process, it's going to be very exhausting and tiring and just challenging just keep going and the last one is more female oriented i guess um this is something i've learned i think i've made this mistake i think a lot of women around me have made this mistake that i know some of my friends uh don't be afraid to value yourself don't be afraid to negotiate i think you know we learned about this in business school a lot they talk about how women tend to earn less and i think a lot of the research shows that the reason women earn less is because they ask for less and I've noticed this about myself I would go into a negotiation and I put out all of you know in my mind I'm thinking about all of the value that I have I'm also thinking about the stuff that I don't and then I find this average number that makes sense and I ask for it and I usually get it which means I probably ask for too low um, so I think as women we tend to do this when we tend to rationalize we tend to find the fair number and that's never valued in negotiation if you go in and you ask for too much, no one's going to find that offensive. They're going to respect you for valuing yourself. And if they feel like that's the wrong number, they'll tell you something in the middle that can work for them. But I think there's never a price to pay for uh, overvaluing yourself. And there's always a, pay, a price to pay for undervaluing yourself. So especially for women entrepreneurs starting out when you have so much doubt and insecurities and you always want to just ask for something that's very you know, comfortable, don't do that because you're going to regret those choices later on. Believe in yourself from day one, ask for what you deserve and you'll get it. You'll get way more of it. That's for sure. Mm, golden nuggets in those tips that you shared with us. So let me just summarize them again for our listeners. So the first one is to just get started. I mean, I cannot stress this enough, especially for our listeners out there who are just thinking of starting a business. If you have that idea, get it out there, get feedback, and then iterate from there. Don't be stuck in analysis paralysis, as they said. Just get started. The second one, which is related to the first one, is to keep going. Keep the momentum going. You're not going to reach that breakthrough unless you keep going or you are in motion or are in action and I know I'm preaching to the choir here but it's really important to keep doing keep moving forward and achieving that goal that you have set for yourself and for your business and the third one which is really important especially for us women is to not be afraid to value ourselves, to negotiate what your worth is and asking for it. I really believe in that too, that a lot of us, I think it's inherent in our culture too uh, mm-hmm. about that. But we, I know that when you ask for something, uh, more often you will get it. 
So don't be afraid to ask for you what is what you're worth of. And especially uh, if you are coaching, uh, if you are a coach or a consultant like that, sometimes we undervalue our worth. We price our services, our, our products way below what it's worth. Look at the value that you're providing and, and, then, and then be sure to put a monetary equivalent of that because you're doing a disservice to other people by, by undervaluing what's your worth. Great tips there that uh, Shelly just shared with us. Let's take action on them today and I'll make sure to have those on our show notes. Last but not the least, uh, Shelly, this is a question that our listeners have uh, started asking us. And that is, if you have one woman out there that you admire the most, who would it be and why? Um, so this, this is going to be a strange answer, I think. Um, I, I was thinking about this when I saw the question. The first person that came up to my mind, of course, is my mother, which I really do appreciate and value, but not necessarily for her business skills. She's not a businesswoman. And the person that came up when I was thinking about this is uh, actually a woman called Safra Katz. And I don't know if many women heard of her, but she used to be, she is now the co-CEO of uh, Oracle. And about four years ago when she taught me, uh, she taught a class in Stanford. Uh, she was the president of Oracle and she taught a class about M&A. And I mean, this woman, the reason I really appreciated her during class, I think when I saw her teaching, something clicked for me is because she's, she's just, I mean, she's amazing at what she does. She does negotiation, which is, again, touching on what I talked about a minute ago, something that's very hard inherently for women, and she does it very well. But she's not masculine for those traits. She didn't come off that way, at least. I think she's a, she's a woman, and she acts like a woman, but she's very successful, powerful, and strong but not masculine. And I think those traits are quite rare in this world where you see a lot of women trying to almost become men to be successful in, in the men's world. And this woman is extremely successful in the men's world, but still altogether just very feminine. Mm. All right. So to your mom and to Safra Katz for being an inspiration to you and for all of us here at Today's Healing Women, we salute you for what you do and for who you are and for inspiring all of us here. Lastly, Shelly, share our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service, where they can get it, and what's the best way that our listeners can connect with you, and then we'll end from there. Sure. Uh, so if you want to have authentic hummus that's uh, creamy and rich and delicate, that's the reason you should get Yamba Hummus. And um, I hope that you get to try it. I hope that people get to try it and love it. Uh, also, one thing I want to share is that you know, the reason it's different is because it has more chickpeas, more tahini, which makes it a creamier and better product. It's also a little bit more expensive to make. So you get more value for what you pay for. And I really believe in that and just kind of honoring the, the customer with giving them better ingredients and more ingredients and not adding water and making a cheap product. So that's kind of my, you know, my stand behind Yamba Hamas. Uh, you can check out the website to see where it's sold. It's it in, in about half of the Whole Foods in Northern California, and soon enough, it's going to be in all of them. It's also in another um, 80, I mean, 100 stores in total, so a lot of the local retailers. And um, I'm hoping soon um, to start selling in uh, Seattle and Portland as well. But all that is going to be in the website, and you can find all the stores next to you. And also my email and phone number, um, the company email and phone number is on the website, and I love for you to anyone who 
wants to reach out to me, please do. I love to be challenged and I love to hear feedback and I think I can learn a lot from that. So feel free to contact me. And if you can go on, uh, into Facebook and like the page, that would be great too. All right, so that's www.yembahamas.com. I'll make sure to have this on our show notes. Connect with uh, Shelly and her company on her website, www.yembahamas.com, and find uh, the stores closest to you and pick up this delicious, healthy hummus. I'm sure uh, the way, uh, I mean, the, the, the mere mention of it makes me already crave for it, makes me hungry for, for it. So, so uh, go um, check that one out. Check them out, um, yambahamas.com, and connect with, uh, with them through, the, through her social media, through Facebook, through email, through their number. And look around you because they have more than 100 stores um, carrying this uh, product, Hamas. So make sure to check them out. Uh, you can also check them on their website, www.yambahamas.com. Shelly, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time, your inspiring story, your expertise, for being a role model to many, and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Thank you so much for, for having me. Podcast your passion. Yes, did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference, and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing, talking to wonderful women every day. Here are today's leading women. Want to learn how I did it? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Feeling inspired and empowered to make it happen? Then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top 10 resources that today's leading women use to stay at the top of their game, plus Marie's favorite today. Visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash guide for your free download, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg.